ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's edition of the Lashing Out Podcast on the Nittany Sports Now Network. He's Kevin, I'm Jared. Kevin, last week the Big Ten determined that Penn State is truly unrivaled. I am sure somewhere James Franklin threw a party. That has been their mantra since he has been there. Everybody is their rival. But in fact, nobody is their rival, according to the Big Ten. Based on the way the schedules line up in 2024, there's no Ohio State. Or no, it's 2025, I should say. Now that the Big Ten is, is bringing in USC and UCLA, it is a hodgepodge of scheduling and Penn State doesn't have that true rivalry game, so we don't get the prestigious land-grant trophy every year. No, we don't. But the unrivaled moniker has, has become the brand. You see it everywhere around the stadium. You see it everywhere in the bookstore. Anything with football merch, it says hashtag unrivaled. Unrivaled seems to be the bigger hashtag than the 107K family. So it's great that the Big Ten did them a solid on the branding side. Um the good thing about that is, is that, you know, we're not pigeon, we're being uh Penn state media. We're not pigeonholed to covering that meaningless Rutgers game or uh, the New Jersey high school plus game uh, every year over there um, or the dredging that, that happens inside Beaver stadium on a noon, inevitably on a noon game. Um, so from that part of the standpoint, I'm thankful that we don't have to cover Rutgers in Maryland every year, but it would be nice to have one locked in opponent. Because maybe you can guarantee a good home game. If you look at the home game schedule for 2024, Indiana, Purdue, Rutgers, and Wisconsin. Like, that's just a terrible home slate of conference games. Penn State's going to have to go out and find somebody in the Power Five to bring them in in the first couple weeks, if anybody's got any openings, to try to bolster that home schedule. Yeah, it is very interesting. You know, you look at 2024 because I, I don't think it's fair to talk about 2025 unless you talk about 2024. And they've got Michigan State, Nebraska, Northwestern, Ohio State, and USC um, at home. And then obviously Indiana, Purdue, Rutgers, and Wisconsin. Oh, my gosh. Sorry about away. that. I flipped that and, around. I'm sorry. And that is number one. You know, they've got those teams on the road, but hosting those games, man. Beaver Stadium is going to be the place to be in 2024 because right off the bat, Ohio State and USC, that's must-see TV. Michigan State, again, must-see TV because of the Land-Grant Trophy. Let's be real. Nothing else matters other than that trophy. And then you've got Nebraska. You've got some true blue-blood football programs facing off against each other in Beaver Stadium in front of 170 or 107,000 fans. But also, you got to think about those – um, those uh, upgrades to the stadium, right? We talked about those a, a couple of weeks ago. That's really when they're going to be starting to take place. So that is something to, to kind of pay attention to as well. But then you look at the 2025 schedule and it is not the greatest. You you host UCLA, you host Illinois, Minnesota, and Rutgers. There's a lot to be desired. There, there is, um, Iowa, Maryland, Michigan, Michigan State, USC on the road. Um, so, I mean, there there is that. But you're only making one trip to California, which is good. You're going to Michigan twice. And Michigan just allowed um, or is in the process of allowing alcohol sales at college athletic events. 
So that's going to be an, a, a factor now. And then you've got Maryland and Iowa. Obviously, Kinnick is a tough place to play. Typically, uh, Maryland is is not uh, an overly hard place to play in College Park. But, you know, there it leaves a lot to be desired. But with a strong 2023-2024 campaign, you can you can make some serious damage in the college football playoff that is expanding uh, in 2025. Yeah. And that 2025 road gate road schedule is going to be tough. I mean, that's a lot of miles. I'm not sure how the big 10 is going to work with getting the California schools coming East. You see USC, US, UCLA. Like I, I believe I saw a stat that I think in the 2020, it might be the 2024 season where you USC and UCLA will travel more miles than like any proposed NFL schedule. And the NFL schedules five games longer, like the amount of travel that they're going to have. It's, it's what the TV money's there for. I guess it's going to help offset some of those costs, but it is going to be interesting. Penn state, Wisconsin, um, they have a double opponent on USC uh, UCLA has, uh, I mean, Maryland has UCLA, Rutgers has UCLA, uh, as, as does Nebraska. So Nebraska is not that big of a deal to go out to California, but Rutgers and Penn state to go out to California or the California schools to come play them. Like that just, that's a lot of travel burden. Yeah. And, and I mean, if it was in the eighties or nineties, I think we it'd be a little bit more of an issue. But let's be real. They're going to be riding on jumbo jets. They're going to be on charter planes. It's not going to be that big of a factor yet. I mean, you want to talk about academics and everything out, blah, 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 blah. But again, you know, the Jets Jets haven't gotten faster since the 90s. No, right. But but travel and accommodations are easy. It's still a five to six hour flight. I mean, it's still minimum. I don't know what it is to fly to California. Never been. Yeah. I mean, obviously you lose you lose the time and you gain time and there's, there's a lot. Um, but at the same time, you know, that's the nature of the beast now and you kind of have to deal with it. I mean, but at the same time, you're not going to say no to the LA market. Um, so, I mean, and then you kind of look at the way things are, they're going to be traveling for bull prep. So, or for bull games and in, and potentially, you know, the, the playoff, so uh, I think it, it's a it's a good and it's a blessing and a curse, right? It, it's a blessing because you're making these experiences, but it's also giving you a chance to get. So say you do play in the Rose Bowl, well now you're going to go out and play in, you know, in Southern Southern Cal. You're going to play in LA. You're going to play at the Coliseum, or you're going to go even play at the Rose Bowl against UCLA. So you have those logistics figured out. You know, Penn State is uber prepared when it comes to that. Programs are listen; they are not going to miss a beat when it comes to, to this sort of stuff. And yeah, obviously the costs aren't absolutely absurd, but at the same time, you know, it, it's kind of, it is, it's a necessary evil at this point. You know, you want to look at schedules. Uh, you mentioned a power five game in 2025, looking at 2024 schedule, they welcome West Virginia. They're at West Virginia. I'm sorry. Next year to start the season, they host them this year under the lights. Um, and then they play, we get a little bit of action. We get Bowling Green and Kent State at Beaver Stadium. And then in 2025, um, there hasn't really been, um, you get Nevada. As of right now, you get Nevada and, and Villanova uh, that are the, the scheduled 
uh, games so far. So they, those are the contracts that they have. Uh, you would like them to to maybe have a better game than welcoming the Wolfpack of Nevada uh, to Beaver Stadium and, and welcoming the Wildcats of Villanova. But at the same time, you know, it is going to be one of those deals. Who's coming back? Or who's going to, who's not necessarily coming back, but who can you put on that schedule? Because the college football landscape schedule wise is completely changing. The SEC is adding Oklahoma and Texas. So all of those kind of in the Pac 12 still doesn't know what they're going to do. The Big 10 could expand by then as well. Uh, once again, so there's just so much that's changing or that could change between now and 2025. It'll be interesting to see how they handle that. It's also going to be interesting the TV. Uh, situation for USC, USC, UCLA. I don't think CBS is going to pick up a noon game for that. So is it going to be the NBC 730? And then you get a prime time, which is actually a 430 game in LA. Um, so that kind of dynamic is there. Like USC and UCLA, if they play each other, they're not going to get that 10 o'clock kick. So the UC, USC and UC, UCLA fans, they might as well get used to not having a 730 8 p.m. kick because you're not going to have the Pac-12 after dark like we used to for USC UCLA. So uh, the TV, the TV part of that is going to be pretty interesting. Um, I know this is a football show, but we've talked about travel logistics. We're talking about we're talking about football. We can talk about the money of this um, later, but other sports are going to have to travel out there, and the other sports are maybe not as well funded as football is. No, but it is easier for them to travel. Their their travel parties are a little bit lighter, but they can also go UCLA, USC on the same trip. So that's going to that's going to be a big factor too. Um, it's gonna I think it's gonna make some really intriguing wrestling matchups against UCLA and USC. Um, baseball I think is gonna benefit because now you can baseball and softball you can go out on the same plane, same plane, and now you're playing teams all up and down the left coast. Um, so you can really get your value out there when you have to go play those Big Ten. Uh, Big Ten games, but at the same time, it'll be very interesting to see kind of how those logistics are are sorted because clearly that is not the Midwest that Penn State is used to, but at the same time, now it's an expanded horizon and maybe throw Hawaii in there. And if they throw Hawaii in there, I'm I'm 100% going. Uh, it, I, I can almost guarantee that uh, L.A. in February – when baseball season and softball season kickoff is probably a little bit warmer than let's say Nebraska and Michigan. So oh, that, without is, a doubt. that is the plus side of that. Is- before, before we go, the best thing about, you know, when I went out to the Rose bowl, not this time, but in 2016, it was great because I woke up on Sunday. Uh, the Rose bowl was on the Monday. I think uh, January 1st was um, I woke up at 9 AM LA time and football was already on. And it was great. And by the time the games ended, it it was honestly only nine o'clock, or it, uh, maybe even later than or earlier than that, about eight or nine o'clock. There was still night left. Like I could go out and eat and not have to stay up until midnight or eleven thirty, um, watching football games. So that was kind of neat too. But it'll be interesting to see how they handle the scheduling, how they handle the TV with it. Because USC UCLA is a game that's going to be a marquee matchup. Will CBS want the the Big Ten after dark? I guess that would be now. Um, will the schools want that too? Um, because I think you have to kind of play into that as well. Because if there's alcohol involved, typically things get out of control the later things get. But again, that's not a problem that we have to worry about. We can just talk about it. And when we come back from this break, 
on the Lashing Out podcast, we're going to talk a little bit more about money and how Penn State is situated amongst other teams across the country on the Nittany Sports Now Network. Welcome back to the second segment of the Lashing Out Podcast on the Esports Now Network. He's Kevin. I'm Jared. Kevin, money talks, man. Money, it, it's all about the money, right? That's Shane McMahon's entrance song and in WWE, and it, that couldn't be more accurate. That's what we talked about in the first segment with Big Ten getting into LA, into the LA market, into Southern California. Penn State, as far as their peers, um, is in really, really good shape, um, you know, on uh, as a whole, right? As far as the athletic department, that includes, you know, football, basketball, women, men's and women's, ice hockey, wrestling, right? That includes all of their athletic department. They brought home $181 million um, in athletic revenue in 2022 that puts them ninth in the country. Now, where we're kind of worried and maybe it's not necessarily worried because that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money to bring in, but there are two big 10 schools that are ahead of them. Michigan at number four at 210 million and Ohio state 251 million. And they're number one in the country. That is a lot, a lot of money. And that's a lot of money because I mean, you look at it, you know, that's $30 million or $29 million that they're behind Michigan who's only five spots higher. I mean, you, you look at the rest of the top 10, Texas, 239, uh, $39 million. Alabama's number three, 214. You got Michigan, Georgia, $203 million. Um, LSU, $199 million. Texas A&M, $193 million. Um, and that's, I think, all they paid their recruits, uh, especially five stars. Uh, and then number eight is Florida at $190 million. So, I mean, you look at that, and those are some staggering numbers and everything, every single one of them has a successful football program. Well, it depends on how you look at Texas A&M, but they have a, a staunch alumni support and, and pretty solid football, basketball, football and basketball programs specifically. Yeah. And it pays to be successful in football, right? Ohio state made it to the college football playoff. Alabama made it to the college football playoff. Michigan made it to the college football playoff. A lot of these top revenue schools, Georgia, they've made it to the college football playoff. Uh, you're talking, you just mentioned total revenue, total expenses. Ohio State outspent Penn State $225 million to $170 million. But Ohio State still made nearly $26 million in revenue. Penn State hundred and eighty one to hundred and seventy. They only churned eleven million in revenue. So some of these schools are spending it's it shows like you gotta spend money to make money. And some of these schools are ponying up. They got a really strong alumni base, especially Texas A and M, um in terms of oil money. But uh yeah it's it just shows the how big college sports are and how big college athletics as a whole are and $11 million seems like a good profit, but they're proposing, what, $700 million renovation to Beaver Stadium? They're not going to do that over 70 years. So I kind of kind of looking at this like, man, how are they going to get that $700 million done um, 
to get Beaver Stadium renovated. If there's a will, there's a way. But you're right. You had to spend money to make money. Um, it's just one of those deals. Uh, at the same time, man, it, it shows that they are still behind in their own division, let alone their own conference. And that's, I think, what's what James Franklin and Pat Kraft are trying to, to get Penn State on an even playing field. I'm not saying that they need to go out and spend $281 million, um, or or however much they need to spend. But it's got to make sense for the university. I mean, they, I'm 95% sure that they sp- sponsor more sports than Ohio State. Of those sports, there are a lot of lost leaders. You know, you're looking at a gymnastics team, a fencing team, um, field hockey, lacrosse, that aren't really bringing in the type of money that football, basketball, hockey make. Um, and that's that's just the nature of the beast. There aren't very many, you know, and then you look at wrestling, right? Most of those um, schools do have good wrestling programs. So the, the higher revenue sports that you have, the greater off you are. Um, Penn state is very fortunate that they make money off of football. Obviously 107,000 fans at roughly $65 a ticket. And that is very, very cheap um, is six, seven million, essentially $7 million every game. Right. So that's at the low end. That's And then you add in parking, you add in concessions, you add in a lot of different things plus merchandise. There are just so many different pieces of the puzzle, but they want more of that pie. There's more of that money. And that I think is huge. Yeah. Imagine if um, Penn State actually had a basketball team that people went and watched. Ohio State, people go and watch their basketball team. Michigan, they go and watch their basketball team. If uh, people went and watched the uh, Penn State men's basketball team, you know, maybe they'd have a little bit more revenue from that side of it. And that's what I think Pat Kraft has identified. Like, that's the next sport where a lot of colleges are making money. It's not just a loss where Penn State is trying to turn that into a profitable entity. And it's got to be on both sides. It's got to be men's and women's. Because I think if you do have valuable programs, then that's even more money. And I think that that is where that money comes from. I mean, listen, they will pay that money. They'll take out bonds or whatever, and, and that money will be spent and that money will be paid for. And I mean, that's there. I'm sure they have a reserve and I'm sure they have all kinds of things that, that they, they're not hurting for money by any means. Um, so there is that, but at the same time, you have to look at it as far as you still have to maintain it. And it's not cheap to, to, maintain rosters to maintain players um, to keep them happy, to keep coaches happy and to keep coaches there too. I mean, the biggest thing you want to talk about Shrewsbury um, and basketball NIL and, you know, the two big um, NIL collectives merged to make happy Valley United that success with honor and lions legacy club. And the university is behind it, right? Last week you saw all the pic- Thursday, all you saw were pictures of a lion and United well, that was the that was the story of of Thursday. The, those collectives merged, and I think that's a great opportunity for Penn State athletes through all other sports to really be able to to benefit from that. Yeah, uh, the only problem I have with that logo is it looks like a youth soccer team logo. I think they <laughs> I think they kind of missed the mark on that one, especially with saying United. Uh, yes, it is the unification of the two NIL collectives, but uh, United just has too much uh, soccer connotation to me. And um, I, I kind of like the old school vibes of the logo. It definitely reminds me of the of the Lion Shrine statue. So um, 
yeah, I the unification of the two NIL collectives just makes everything simpler. You're not trying to, you're not working with two separate entities with two separate leadership programs or organizations and who are vying for the best opportunity. Like both of those are probably going to Stucky Subaru in Altoona or some random thing and trying to get the best deal. Well, now it's just one. It's just happy Valley United leaderships probably meshed together and, now it's just one collective going. It it makes from a sponsorship, like the people funding this program, the businesses funding it, it makes it easier on their end. It makes they're not talking to two just separate people. And then as a student athlete, you're not trying to go to both of them to see what what's what's there to offer. Right. It's just it's better all around. It needed to happen. Um, and I, I'm kind of glad it did it. It felt like it kind of came out of nowhere, but I'm glad that it happened. Yeah, I mean, I think it's huge moving forward for, for Penn State because I think if you divide instead of come together, it's not going to help. Um, now there's more more of a pool, more money, and and that more money, more problems, right? But I, I don't think there are going to be very many problems for this. And it's university-backed, um, which is something that we don't really see and hadn't really seen. So I think that matters as well. So it'll be interesting to see how they use that to their advantage. But – Anything in this landscape is possible. Certainly is. But that is not all that we have on this podcast. We're going to come back for the third and final segment of the Lashing Out podcast on the Nittany Sports Now Network when we come back after this break. Welcome back to the third and final segment of the Lashing Out Podcast and Nitty Sports Now Network. He's Kevin. I'm Jared. Kevin, it's been a wild week in sports. And I know you've been chomping at the bit um, to talk about what's going on at Delaware. And I'm going to turn it over to you. The floor is all yours. Chomping at the bit is uh, is a stretch, to say the least. Delaware, if you're not aware, is an FCS program. It's like they brought in Idaho a few years ago, played the Vandals, another FCS program. There's not much to preview here, folks. Um, This is going to be that tune-up game. They have West Virginia week one under the lights against NBC. And, you know, maybe they get banged up. They're coming out of the gates hot against a D1 big Power 5 program. Um. This is going to be the depth game. This is going to be, let's try some simple things. What what fundamentals we didn't hit against West Virginia, let's focus on them in week two. So, yeah, Penn State, when Idaho came to town, won 79-7. I don't know if it's going to be a 79-7 blowout. Hopefully it's something of a shutout. Um, but they're the neighbors down over there to the east. They're coming up to Happy Valley for the first time and who knows how long. And there's really not much to preview, but that is the week two matchup that Penn State will have. Yeah. Um, you know, the fighting Alina Deladons. Um, if you remember her from when she was a fighting blue hand basketball player. Um, so there's that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, this on paper, this should be a no brainer. It should not be a problem for Penn State. But this is a game that has been a couple years in the making. Um, now, this isn't the first and only time that they're coming back. They're, they'll be in Happy Valley 
they'll be back in 2027. And if Kevin and I are still doing this podcast at that point, then either something has gone horribly wrong or something is going terribly right. Um, so for the latter. Yeah, right. Um, that would be great. But it is just one of those situations where this is the this is the pay the buy game um that you know Penn State has to win they should win this should not be a problem um but at the same time this is this is the time to get your opportunity for younger guys in see what they've got and to really rest up after West Virginia and I think that is where the value comes in um but one thing that I want to talk about for, for Delaware, and this is where I really thought you were going with this. I, I kind of forgot I'm in summer mode now that, you know, the summer has finally occurred for teaching. Um, so I thought you were going to mention Joseph Bruno, uh, former Penn state football player, former Delaware football player that had his scholarship um, pulled from the university of Delaware um, after it, the university said he violated an agreement um, from rehabbing his injury um so he was uh, a penn state running back transferred to delaware um got a scholarship which he didn't have at penn state and got hurt last year um and then delaware pulled a scholarship on unprovoked whatever um so and he didn't get any any other answers but it's just one of those um one of those situations that um, there's there's not always some truth and honesty in college athletics, but it's it's going to be one of those situations um, where this is going to unfold over the summer. Um, this is some pretty serious stuff for the University of Delaware. Yeah, I'm um, not going to lie; it's the first time I've heard of this, so uh, I was really prepared for the Delaware preview. Um, yeah, it's the the shady side of the college athletics the shady side of kids in college is you're not going to get the full story and who knows what actually happened to uh provoke the the scholarship revocation so um well i think that's the thing too kevin right we talk about the college football landscape and i talked with j1 cider um last thursday when penn state made their coaches available and i have an article out on nitty sports now about come competitiveness but one of the things you know i asked him what makes him such a great recruiter and he, he brought this up too many people in this industry lie there are so many different liars and you see that everywhere people are promised different things you get your there's so many different things that you can be promised this that the other thing and they never they don't always come to fruition so this is one of those situations at delaware where somebody's got to got some explaining to do and i think that's where penn state comes in and and listen, I have been critical of James Franklin. I've been critical of his coaching staff um, multiple times over his tenure um, as a writer and, as, and and even as a fan, just like many people have on every Sunday or every Saturday, I should say. But the thing about it is they do it the right way. They go about it where they're, they're open and honest, and you really don't see a lot of big guys take that step into the portal. Kevon Lee, Noah Kane, I think, are, are two – um, recent ones that were big time factors. Um, and that's just because of the numbers game. Noah Kane, Kevon Lee kind of overtook him. Well, then Kevon Lee was overtaken by Katron Allen and Nick Singleton. So there is that. But at the same time, you know, they're honest. They're those 
they're not promising people the world and then giving them nothing. They're, hey, this is what you're going to get. Take it or leave it. And that's why people are coming to Penn State and staying at Penn State. And that, I think, speaks volumes to the character of the coaching staff and the character of the football program as a whole. Yeah, and that's kind of just been the legacy of Penn State as all. Well. It was Joe Paterno's legacy. Now Joe, now um, James Franklin's carrying that on. It's this. This is what we have to offer. There's going to be an open competition at every position. Uh, James is even talking about. Obviously, he's still not naming the week one starter quarterback, but like everything's open. He was talking about when Saquon Barkley and Miles Sanders were here. It was an open competition. Saquon Barkley is arguably a Heisman contender and he still didn't even have the guaranteed starting job because he's got Miles Sanders chopping at the bit right behind him. So, and you're seeing that, like you said, the guys aren't transferring out and they're starting to get a lot bigger, high profile recruits as I guess you would classify them. You know, you're starting to get more and creep into the top thirties and the top twenties because guys are understanding that like you're going to go to all these other big programs. They're probably just going to fluff you up. Oh, you're starting year one. Um, here's this NIL money, like, come on down. And that's kind of what happened at Texas A&M with Jimbo Fisher. Penn State's saying, like, you can come on campus. Yeah, you're number 10 in the nation as a recruit. I don't know who that is. I'm just pulling out a number. But, like, you're going to have to work for it. Like, we're not going to hand it to you. We're not going to make any promises to you. And I think I think we kind of went really far. Youth athletics kind of went really far the opposite way of making all these promises to younger kids. And I feel like you're kind of getting back, like, it's kind of swinging back to of, Look, this is going to be a competition. We're going to we're going to work, and you're going to work your ass off. You want that starting job? Let's do it. Like nothing's going to get handed to him. Yeah, and I think that's there's value in that, and there's respect in that because I think the respect is mutual. You're not going to get a guy that doesn't want to be there. If you do that, then why are you even there? But the great thing about that is they're honest, they're open, and when you trust that, and when you have that mutual trust and respect there, that is going to be a thing that that's going to speak volumes moving forward. And that's why I, I, and I strongly believe that's why they don't see guys leave more often than not. People stay, stay at Penn state and you take it, take Dan Chizina, right? He ends up going to the NFL and he was a special teams guy. So, I mean, it's just one of those situations where anything can happen. And at Penn state, they're doing things the right way on and off the field. And there is still tremendous value in that as a whole. Yeah, there is. I mean, Dan Chesna is, is the perfect example. A five-year guy, special teamer, and the pretty much the only thing he ever did at Penn State was play special teams. So, Yeah, but he could run. And sometimes he could that's, run. And that, I think there's, you know, that, that matters too. Um, but at the same time, you know, such is life. And, and that's, the, that's the danger of college athletics now. There's a lot of money and, and, where, and going back to it, more money, more problems. And when there's – I mean, Jay Wan said it, said it himself. Coaching, when, you, when you're a coach, those players are your livelihood. At the collegiate level, they, they are what get you paid, and they better bring it. And if you don't recruit guys that are going to bring it for you, then – what are you doing and why are you doing it? But Kevin, that is it for Delaware. We will preview who's up next to preview next week. That is a great question. Up next is Illinois. 
Up next is Illinois. Very good. The Fighting Illini. So we'll talk more about the Fighting Illini next week. For Kevin Quigley, this has been Jared Prugar on the Lashing Out Podcast on the Sports Now Network.